0: We are now going to turn our attention to our weekly Earth Watch. Of course, this week we have been doing coverage as this is Earth Watch week. Tomorrow, Friday um, is actually Earth Day. And I'd like to welcome uh, to our show Desmond Desa, a South African environmentalist and recipient of the 2014 Goldman Prize. He's known for protesting environmental justice issues in Durban, South Africa, related to access to green space and pollution. The region of the city where he lives is known as a Cancer Alley because of the 300 plus industrial facilities in the area. Good afternoon, good evening in, in
1: in to all the viewers in the US, and good evening to you.
0: Right, so uh, Desmond, uh, let us start with this. Um, the, ar- around the world, there were scenes of this recent flooding in South Africa's third largest city, which is Durban, killing at
1: least 300 residents. So you know, I've traveled to the U.S. before Katrina in 2003, and um, saw, so, uh, and then got the aftermath of Katrina in uh, in in um, the Mississippi as well as in Louisiana and New Orleans. And then when I was on my way back to the U.S. in 2015, I saw Hurricane Harvey and the devastation and people hanging hanging on their homes uh, down the Mississippi in various areas. And Durban, we've experienced a similar thing. And um, shocking for me was that uh, three years ago, we lost 70 people in a huge rain bomb that descended on the city and the province as a whole. And, you know, we started to urge the government to do something about the climate crisis that people were fe- feeding, And mostly it affected the marginalized, the poor and the vulnerable. And we said to the president then and the government that it's time to put together a plan uh, that uh, can take into consideration uh, how do we adapt and how do we deal with the crisis uh, of indecency, of inhumane conditions, such as not having access to water, but also your home, your only home and all your belongings being destroyed in it, as well as family members. Three years later we are feeling we have got the same and even worse um, worse of the of the rain that is poured down on the communities in the province that I come from. And in the city we've lost over 450 lives in, in these floodings. Uh, but more importantly, people's homes have been destroyed and these are these are really the these are really the poorest of the poor, you know and they're living on floodplains, they're living near rivers. And everything has washed out. Everything has washed away, including uh, the school uniforms of the children, all the school books. So they've lost everything, every single thing that they ever owned. The Negro um, belongings that they own is all gone, including food. So I was around the area in the last few days, um, in the areas that affected the most. Um, I've seen the devastation. I I heard families cry about the, the number of their families being dead and, you know, children being washed away and not recovered. So we're still hoping that this figure will rise as they look at how do they, the bodies that are not accounted for at the moment, um, they recover it either through the rivers or through the ocean or somewhere through the mudslides. But it's devastation. Um, most of the homes are completely flattened. Um, the president of our country has come through the province and stated a commitment to do something about it. But so did he do three years ago. He made a commitment to those that lost their lives, to those that lost their homes, that they will rebuild. And three and a half years later, people are still waiting for that to happen. So it hasn't happened for the poorest or the poor, so before, despite the better the promise of the crossing the Rubicon in '94 when Mandela was the president, that a better life for those that were outcasts for those that were demonized and those that were kept apart and not, not benefit, um, benefit through it. So the hope was that things will change for them. But like we've seen, nothing has changed for poor people in this country. And again, the president and his cabinet have made a lot of commitments, but we've seen during COVID that the poorest of the poor did not benefit out of the COVID funds, neither did they get any relief. And that continues to happen. Uh, this flood was the biggest I've ever seen in our country, in my city. Um, it's the first time I've seen so many people not accounted for, and so many people died, and among them a lot of the children, a lot of young people. Um, in going to the areas, we found that a lot of the young kids could not have a place to stay. Even the next day, they were they were still living in those Uh, inhumane conditions, what we call the shacklands, in transit camps that were there prior to the the, the 2010 World Cup where they were placed with the promise that these transit camps uh, will be a, a thing of the past and that better homes and decent homes will be provided well. The transit camps have been flooded and people have lost their lives. This is Margaret
0: Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. For those of you who are just joining us or missed it, our guest is Desmond Desa South African environmentalist and recipient of the 2014 Goldman Prize. He is known for protesting environmental issues in Durban, South Africa, which is where he is based. He lives in an area known as Cancer Alley. And his network has been successful in opposing polluting sites. And we are discussing with him the recent flooding that happened in his hometown of uh, Durban, where hundreds of people lost their lives and many more injured and thousands were forced to evacuate. So, Desmond, you know, when these kinds of things happen, you, you spoke about Katrina and your visit to, to the United States. Often, we know when there is a natural disaster, it is exacerbated by a man-made disaster. In this case, neglect of communities and neglect of people who who are poor. And in fact, a lot of the housing, uh, the New York Times has an, an article saying that the housing crisis uh, is What helped make that high death toll in South Africa, because in 2009, in preparation for the World Cup of Soccer, the government moved hundreds of residents from their tin shacks, bad enough that they're living in tin shacks, near the city center to a flood prone field. In the south of town. So Desmond, talk a little bit about this, because we know that increasingly with global warming, with the climate crisis, we're seeing weather, including the rain bomb. But the interrelationship then, well, first of all, do you think that this event, the, at least the rain part of it, was connected to the climate crisis? What is happening with the crisis and government inaction or actions that exacerbate
1: it? Desmond, so the rain bomb is directly linked to the climate crisis. You know, South Africa is a mining country. A lot of the mines um, have continued to, uh, to happen. A lot of mining is increasing because of the export uh, to China and, and Germany and other parts of the world. Uh, that continues. And South Africa, while signing the Tesco Agreement, is on the other hand agreeing to mine even more. And now we've just seen with the, since 2009 with Operation Partisha, the blue economy is to mine for oil and mine in the ocean of South Africa to the entire coastline from the Mozambican border right down to the Namibian border to the Northern Cape. The entire area has been sold out to big corporate oil corporations such as um, the Shell and BP, uh, the Sassel. Uh, the Italian oil corporation Exxon Mobil, and rather, as well as the oil giants who come out of Texas, who have bought uh, up a lot of the the ocean to do seismic testing and, and drilling, and they already know that, and we've been putting that off and fighting the law the whole of two years now. We've been pushing back against the seismic testing in our ocean because we've got one of the best oceans, clean beaches, and we've got a lot of marine life. That feeds thousands of our people who are fisher folks. So um, people have put up a big fight against the oil and gas being explored on the ocean. They've seen the destruction on the land. And this has been long, the warnings have been there. We've had droughts on the northern parts of Durban. We've had huge amounts of, of rainfall in some parts of the country. And and now we've seen the real thing has happened. The rain bombs have come through. And this is directly linked to the high emissions, CO2 emissions in South Africa. The data is there. The South African government fully is aware of all this. And they have made promises to reduce CO2 emissions, to reduce the carbon footprint. But the action is lacking. There's a lack of political will to do that and to address the issue of the social inequality in South Africa, as well as that. Uh, the power of the industrialists and international oil corporations continue to hinder progress, to move to a just transition, to create jobs that will be sustainable and not harm people and the environment. And this firebomb exposes our government and those corporations in the sense that over 400 people had to lose their lives, but more importantly, they washed everything out and destroyed everything in the wake of, the, of these heavy floods that came through. Um, rebuild is going to take a, a lifetime. It's going to take a lot of years. Most of the province, most of the areas, most of the houses are destroyed. The roads infrastructure is destroyed. Oh, people have had no water and continue not to have any water to drink, to wash with in the province, in the city. Uh, energy is a problem. The ESCOM debacle of uh, de- developing the coal-fired power station with the building of Madupi and Khashoggi, that the World Bank did not listen to the representation that I made in 2009 is a tragedy of justice, that they only took one side and listened to the government and didn't invest in just transition in renewable energy, which have created jobs, but also it would have helped us in the climate crisis that we currently facing. So the ball stops writing w- in Washington, D.C., at the World Bank housing, World Bank, uh, where they where they placed, because they came back and said, wow, you know what, we did not know that there. They knew all along, and they allowed big corporations to do what they want to do and come here and take loans that the society will pay for the rest of their lives. Those millions of dollars that were given as a loan with high interest rates, you're going to pay for. It's a double dose in the sense that the climate now we're going to have to rebuild our homes, rebuild our schools, all our clinics and hospitals. Some of them have been destroyed in the wake of this heavy flood. Um, people just don't even have food to to go to bed with. They don't even have a bed to sleep on. They don't have any school kids, any school uniforms to give their kids to go to, to, go to school. So this has been a warning. The climate has been indicating to us all along that there was time for change, these things are happening, we need to be proactive, we need to develop resilience, and the way to develop resilience is to get the society involved in the plans, and the government has failed to do that. In fact, it's a tragedy that so many people lost their lives and something could have been done to create an early alert so that people people be aware of the flooding and the heavy rains that are coming, that people were not forewarned, nothing was done in that regard, and people were left to their own device. As it, as I talk to you now, people are living in those conditions. They're sleeping on mud floors because the rain has brought down all the silica uh, and everything through their homes. They're sleeping in places that are damaged. They're sleeping in community halls. They're not even sleeping in their homes. So it's a huge problem in South Africa. We hope that the international community will stop Funding the fossil fuel throughout the continent that's ruining the continent, and it's a curse to all the people of this continent, whether we're in Nigeria, whether we're in Mozambique, whether in South Africa, or any part of the continent. The oil dynasty is a curse to the people. Those resources have never brought improvement in their lives and have not reduced the harm that they're currently feeling. And we see it this week, this last two weeks, that... People are worse off than they've ever been, and they've been impacted the most when it comes to the rich. And the elite They suffer the most is the poorest of the poor, who are already living in humane conditions, who already have suffered from the lack of access to water, to tap water or clean energy. Those are the people that suffer the most, yet South Africa is producing a lot of energy through coal for certain big industries to ship their profits to New York, to London Stock Exchange as well as, as well as the Melbourne Stock Exchange, nothing benefits the poor in this country. And we Desmond, start the,
0: away. The, we Desmond I'm afraid we are out of time for for, for this segment. We needed much more time uh, to hear from you, but uh, thank you for. All of what you're sharing with us and the complicity of the Western governments, the United States and Europe, in terms of what is happening and all of it playing a role in the devastating floods uh, that happened there. We also want to thank the Global Justice Ecology Project, our partner, uh, for our weekly Earth Minute, as well as our weekly Earth Watch. Uh, Desmond, we hope to have you back and to hear more about what you're saying. Really critical information that we would like to get out, help to get out. Thank you, Desmond Desal, for joining us.
1: Yeah, a okay. Thank you so much.